Welcome to Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We're coming to you from the legendary Beehive studio. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. And I'm Mikey Sherman. Uh, Benedict is out in New Plymouth. We've sent him all the way down to New Plymouth to follow the Prime Minister around, so he's not gracing us with his presence this time. But um, maybe it gives us a little bit more freedom to talk about a few more girly things today. I know, I'm looking forward to the uh, conversation that we'll have later on about the Prime Minister's engagement. Yeah, so now that Benedict's <laughs> not here to roll his eyes and complain, we can do that. Shall we kick off with our with our peaks of the week? Um, do you want to go first? Yes, let's go. Okay, I'll go first. Um, so my peak uh, this week has to be, I'm going to start the girly talk early. <laughs> yeah. early. Okay. Sorry, it's the royal baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's the royal baby. Um, uh, love babies. Really excited to see um, the arrival of um, young Archie. Uh, interesting to note, though, that they didn't take um, either the title of Lord or Duke. Uh, what, I mean, what would you, I think I might have thrown in a bit of a Duke in there myself but I can see that's where they're going as a couple isn't it sort of progressive but I don't know if it was offered by the Queen that's the big question I think (gasps) we need to know maybe it wasn't Um, but I kind of think if I was the parents I don't know if I would either it's quite a lot of weight and responsibility and all of the pomp and ceremony and and, uh, security exactly so if you already have to deal with all (laughs) of that then you may as well take the title then may may as well get something good out of it get it for free Um, my peak this week, um, I got to do a sit down with the Prime Minister ahead of her trip to Paris and we don't get to do that every week or anything so it was um, it was interesting to be able to do that and go into her office and sit down and talk to her about what her plans are for that. She goes um, on Sunday and will be in Paris um, leading the Christchurch call on New Zealand's behalf to try and crack down on um, the distribution of of hate speech and and terrorist videos, the the killings of the people in Christchurch through social media. So I think that'll be a really interesting one to watch out for next week and, and that will play over the weekend but we usually do those interviews in advance um, just so that um, because obviously she will be on a plane so we cannot interview her. So I think that'll be interesting to watch out for that next week. And I had a couple of, peak, a, a couple of pits this week as well. Um, I think there was quite a bit of argy bargy in the house, and usually that's a fun thing. But I'm not always, I'm not sure that it was hugely fair this week. The member earlier made a barnyard noise of the sort that would not be accepted in a junior classroom, and I remonstrated with him for it. Point of order. A point of order. I made no such noise and it's entirely wrong and unfair for you as a speaker to say that sort of unprofessional comment. The member will leave the house. Was there? It sounded to me more like a kind of like, oh, like a like a frustration kind of noise, and I, I thought it was a bit rough for him to be kicked out for that. And the other one was um, Nick Smith as well. Now there's no love lost between Trevor Mallard and Nick yes. Smith, but and usually you know you kind of it's up to the speaker. He's the referee of Parliament. He gets to dis- to decide. But I mean Nick Smith being being named, that's obviously very serious. Um, and I just think that was a bit of a 
yeah, it was a bit of an ad, a bit of argy bargy and a bit of it doesn't reflect well on Parliament when that kind of stuff happens. It makes people who are you know walking on the street think, oh gosh, those politicians, you know, can't they just wasting behave? time there in the house? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just it was one of those. So I think that was that's probably my pit this week. Did you have any? Or did you Trevor have Mallard any? is quite a, a, a staunch, a sort of hard referee though, isn't he? And he usually does come up against those sort of senior national politicians. Like you said, we had you know Simon Bridges, Nick Smith, and usually um, there's also Jerry Brownlee yeah. in there. So um, it's not, not unusual to see that at question time. My pit is that I didn't get to do the interview with the Prime Minister uh, for <laughs> Paris and that I'm not going to Paris to cover the Prime Minister. Um, but neither of us are, so yeah, there you go. It could be both about pits, I think. <laughs> no, but um, seriously, my pit this week is uh, an interview that I did. I missed I missed the whole kerfuffle with Simon Bridges in the house because I went out um, to Lower Hutt and I interviewed a woman uh, who we didn't identify because she was embarrassed because she uh, had been bankrupt from a personal loan, those sort of next pay loans where you get some cash and then you pay it back at your next pay. She'd come bankrupt three times from that, which obviously you know shows that she has issues with money. But the fact that... You know, we've got people, vulnerable people, who obviously aren't very good with money, um, who are continuing to be sucked in um, with these loans, with you know high interest rates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, that that was pretty. That was a pretty sad interview to do with her. You know, um, but good to see also that she got back on her feet. And that was all to do with obviously Chris Farfoy pushing through major um, crackdowns with the loan sharks. Um, but we saw um, you know a sort of umbrella group for around 200 budgeting services is called FinCap, um, ramp up their call uh, for a cap on interest rates as well as what the government's proposing. Um, and interestingly enough, we had the Iwi Leaders Forum pass a remit um, at their latest uh, month uh, meeting um, and say that they were backing that call for a cap on interest rates. So a um, lot of uh, uh, pressure ramping up there because they joined the likes of the Salvation Army as well uh, as the Citizens Advice Bureau. Um, and when I interviewed Chris Chris Farfoy about it, the minister responsible, uh, he did come out swinging somewhat at FinCap and sort of questioning um, whether they're giving people that they're lobbying the full information. So that was quite interesting. Um, so a bit of a pit and a little bit of a peak um, in that we love a good sort of tussle over a good e- issue. Well, a good segue from that is another group calling for more information was the National Party over this cannabis reform. So let's take a look at that. <laughs> recreational cannabis. It's now legal in Canada and soon Kiwis will be asked if they want to follow suit. I would vote yes, yeah. I think it's about about time that we killed up with many other countries around the world. Uh, I just don't think they should do it full stop. Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) Today the government revealed what it is the country will be voting on at the referendum. It's proposing the legal age to buy cannabis would be 20. It could only be bought from a licensed store, not online. It could only be consumed on private property like at home or on a licensed premise. And you'd be allowed to grow your own. So, why 20? If you put too high an age on it, you just encourage the black market. One of the objectives of legalisation would be that we're trying to get rid of the criminal elements. What are 18 and 19 year olds supposed to do? Behave themselves. It's illegal now and 80% of young people are, are trying it. Including this MP, admitting she tried it at just 14. I believe in um, access to medicinal cannabis, um, but I've got major concerns about this referendum. We do have a full-on health-based approach here uh, that doesn't seek to make this product more accessible. As for how many plants Kiwis will be able to grow, 
that's still unclear. It's a bit like homebrew, you know, um, we have a sale and supply of alcohol act, uh, but actually people can make their own and do whatever they want at home. Fundamentally what you're doing there is making legal what currently happens, you know, illegally. This entrepreneur is looking at developing medicinal cannabis products, but thinks Kiwis might go further. I think people see the hypocrisy of uh, alcohol being freely available and something like a herb like marijuana not being as is you know of interest to people. National though demanding greater detail. What's the tax rate going to be? Will gangs be able legally to sell drugs uh, in New Zealand? Will edible gummy bears be legal? But what is clear is legislation won't be passed when the public votes. Seeing whether people are going to be smoking pot or not is not our priority. However, democracy is and that's why we'll ask New Zealand people. Some big issues for Kiwis to get their heads around. Basically the outcome of this is we got more details about the referendum so people will get to have their say at the next election and they'll get to vote on this but the interesting point is that it won't it won't be passed and you won't have something ready to go in terms of legislation it won't go through the parliamentary process before the election that'll have to happen afterwards but that means that unless it's this exact government no guarantees. No guarantees. So even though the government says that it's binding, there's no there's no way for the public who are going to vote and going to go out and make an effort and get educated on this, that what they say will go post-election. And I do think that that's extraordinary. And the National Party MPs that we spoke to, because um, obviously the debate here is um, whether it's legalisation uh, or decriminalisation or both, and that was the real sort of um, uh, thing that split um, many of the MPs here. A lot of them are happy for decriminalisation, but a little bit more reserved when it comes to legalisation, and mainly just concerned about the impacts that it could have on young people. Obviously um, the proposed age um, is around 20 years old where they could essentially smoke cannabis etc etc obviously at your own property or at a licensed premises um, but but no guarantees there from National as to whether they would push it through um, if they were to um, take over the government benches. It would be a, a very sort of brave government though that would go against the vote of the people, the say of the people in a referendum. So um, I don't know, the, uh, maybe there can be concern that it isn't binding, but like I say, it would be a brave government to go against the will of the people. And I think that that 20 age group is really interesting because that's what they've rested on. The argument was that you don't want to um, have a huge impact on a developing brain. That's the the term and the phrase we've heard a lot this week. Um, so th I think the um, official recommendation was 25, but I think that um, politicians realise that perhaps that isn't hugely realistic. So they've settled on this um, 20 age group. But I think there'll be heaps of debate about all of the aspects of this. This is such a huge issue for the country. I mean, it's it's so big. I mean, it could, you know, really change the look of uh, our nation, basically, if, if we say yes to this. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden, it's not vaping stores that we've got, it's cannabis stores. And, and you know, you just got to think of all of the different implications 
options. What would that mean for tourism? Would we get more people wanting to come here as they do going to Amsterdam? What would that mean for um, those who are in prison now because of um, cannabis uh, offences? Uh, would we would we need to sort of you know relook at those cases, or is it you know sorry mate you 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 got put in prison um, before the change date, so you're stuck there? All of these big issues that we're going to have to debate as a country. So you know obviously lots of conversations around the dinner table. If anyone even eats dinner at the table anymore, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. yeah, not so much us, I have to say. Um, I I think it'll be the education campaigns will start rolling through soon and those will be really interesting to see um, how both sides kind of frame that debate. I hope the government does a good job on that because when it comes to education campaigns on big policy issues you'd have to say if you look at Kiwi Build if you look at the capital gains tax or the tax proposals you know they they they, they, they didn't they didn't market them well enough. People didn't understand the issues well enough. And, 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 you know, those ended up, you know, sort of, we know what happened with the CGT. Uh, we know how Kiwi Build's sort of going. Um, and I just hope that on this issue, they get that part right. That's crucial. Yeah. Um, the Greens have been pushing for this for a long time. Um, in fact, we have a historic clip that we'd like to show you from Nando Tanchos. <laughs> He's known as one of Parliament's quietest MPs. Today, he let his hair down, this stinging attack on what he calls MPs' double standards over cannabis. How do we expect people to have, this, have respect for the law when at the same time, members of this House, have a, some members of this House, have a reputation for excessive alcohol consumption? And in my short time in this House, I have seen people in this House drunk. Drunk in charge of a country. Let's get real. The country is ready for more sensible policies on cannabis. It's illegal to smoke, cultivate or sell cannabis in this country. Nando Tanchos wants it decriminalised but not legalised. Let's allow people, and I'm talking about adults over the age of 18, to grow and possess cannabis for personal use. Yes, a review is on the cards and I'm not preempting that review and I'm not saying that it will be decriminalised or not. Um, it will be up to that review. Nando Tanchos claims taxpayers' money is wasted chasing cannabis smokers. We have the high, highest recorded arrest rate for cannabis in the world. Our police spend tens of millions of dollars arresting people for it and despite what they say, 85% of these are for simple personal possession. He claims gangs are benefiting from cannabis being illegal. If you want to deal to gangs, the best way to do it is to allow people to cultivate and use cannabis for personal use. Prime Minister Helen Clark has already called for a partial decriminalisation, meaning if you're caught smoking cannabis, you'd be issued with a fine, like an instant parking ticket. A spokesperson for Helen Clark says the future legal status of cannabis lies with Health Minister Annette King and Justice Minister Phil Goff. A paper recommending options may go before Cabinet before the end of the year. Really interesting to note those comments there from Nandor about uh, the comparison with alcohol because that's been a bit of a big sort of um, factor that people have have used to sort of compare um, when we're looking at the cannabis debate. Though I do note that uh, I was watching an interview earlier this week on Breakfast and one of the um, uh, panellists who was on there said that, you know, it, it's also important not to always compare to alcohol but to look at this um, issue um, as an individual thing and, and just compare 
compare the, the pros and cons on that. So another thing for everyone to think about. Yeah, and I think um, the alcohol consumption around um, Parliament is is probably overrepresented in the um, statistics. So it may be a few things for some of the MPs to reflect upon. But another big story this week um, has been zero carbon. Um, you took a look at that yesterday, so let's look at your story on that. Students here and across the globe calling for action on what's labelled the greatest challenge facing the world. Today, the government revealing New Zealand's plan to do its bit. New Zealanders have demanded it, and today we deliver it. While a zero carbon target by 2050 has been set for greenhouse gases, methane largely from farming is excluded, instead facing a 1% reduction target each year to 2030. Agriculture is of course incredibly important to New Zealand but it also needs to be a part of the solution. We're not trying to get out of, get out of jail free card here. Those in the agriculture sector say the methane targets are still too high, which includes a possible 47% reduction by 2050. The way that these targets have been set is putting a very heavy burden on the methane reduction. We do think, you know, this methane target's just too high. Simon Bridges warning it could mean deadly consequences. There's no doubt it will involve culling and significant culling. Simon Bridges wouldn't know one end of the cow from another. Agricultural emissions have remained largely stagnant over the last 30 years, despite being the largest greenhouse gas contributor. Meanwhile, energy and transport isn't far behind and is getting worse. Transport and industrial heat have been the sectors that are growing the fastest and also because that's carbon dioxide, the longest living gas of all. As for the government's ability to hold people to account on the new emissions targets, well, there basically isn't any. With no legal compulsion, some are questioning its strength. This bill achieves nothing. It's a set of targets for decades down the, down the future with no enforcement and no action. The emissions trading scheme is essentially the, the incentive to shift. An independent climate change commission will be established, which will have power to change targets, but only in significant circumstances. <laughs> Really interesting carve out there uh, for the agriculture sector. Obviously, they are not sort of um, bound to that net zero target of 2050, um, but they do still say it's too high for them. Uh, we, you know, we know that the agriculture sector uh, was sort of pushing back um, on on the government um, and, and lobbying other parties um, when um, this idea of net zero carbon was coming up. They did sort of get a special carve out there, but yes, they say it's too much and they're not going to be able to cope there. What's really interesting, I think, is um, the politics at play with all of this because, again, it's something that the Greens have wanted for a long time. And as you mentioned in your live yesterday, uh, New Zealand First has had several high-profile wins recently and the Greens needed something. And this was their thing that they've been wanting. And when we were looking at the um, at the side, you know, you kind of look at it with that, that balancing act of who do you give to what. And when we looked um, with New Zealand First, we thought, oh, I wonder if zero carbon will come in soon because the Greens have had to swallow a few dead rats recently and and then a couple of weeks later here we have it. So I do think that um, the Greens will see this as a win even if it's not everything they wanted or as far as they wanted. What I did find really interesting in your story though was Russell Norman coming I out, know. former leader and saying you guys have not gone far enough and it's you just don't really see that with, with the bigger parties. Um, he was pretty 
brutal. He was scathing. He basically said that it's toothless. And he has somewhat of a point uh, because uh, basically those comments centre around the fact that there is no sort of um, tools available in the bill and this legislation um, that would uh, uh, hold people to account if they didn't maintain the targets, if they weren't sort of working towards the targets. So it's like, well, what's the point in having the targets if you don't have any any way to sort of make sure that people are going to be held accountable to them? Uh, what's to stop someone saying, actually, we don't have the technology? And this that, that was also the argument of the government. They're saying, well, we didn't want to come down too hard on people. It's early days. We're still developing um, technology. They gave the example of steel. At the moment, there is no sort of alternative for steel. So we're going to have to develop that technology. So you can't expect to sort of come crashing down on the likes of, you know, steel manufacturers if there's no alternative yet. So it's about that sort of uh, slowly, slowly um, support, invest. Uh, it's going to take a lot of investment. Um, but so, so you can see it from both sides of the coin there. You don't want to come down too hard. You have to sort of ease people into this, but also you have to be able to hold them to account you know, if we are wanting um, uh, to make that net zero by 2050 a reality. Talking of investment, um, the government also chose to um, put some cash into um, reforming our welfare system this week, even if it wasn't a huge amount of things that they ticked off the list. So let's take a look at my story on that. Kathleen Padaha works part-time and gets topped up by the welfare system. Well, we can't survive, really. By the time my rent the power comes out, um, there's not much left over for food. She says too many kids are living in poverty and the benefit needs to go up. It needs to go up at least 47%. 47% is what the Welfare Expert Advisory Group wants too. But the government said, not now. We have to do that sensibly. This was meant to be an overhaul of the welfare system, not just breadcrumbs. The expert group spent months preparing a 200-page report with 42 recommendations. Only three ideas were adopted. The government has announced today $300 million in the budget to pay for them. First, it'll fund 260 more frontline staff. That'll be $76 million over four years. Also, the amount people can earn working part-time before their benefit is cut will go up too. That'll cost $97 million. And sole parents will no longer have money taken off them if they don't name the father on the birth certificate. National says it's letting dads off the hook by not making them pay child support. There are going to be cases, and it's already in the law where that's allowed, uh, and we respect that, but actually there's a whole number of parents that should be mum and dad's responsible and not the taxpayer. There was no evidence to support that in any way was it working to help the other parent actually pay the money. The government says it'll give a solo parent an extra $34 a week on average. The cost, $113 million over four years. But it won't kick in until April next year, despite Labor committing to this two years ago. So these changes lacklustre for some. I'm disappointed, yes. Very disappointed. For this to be the response of a very thorough report is underwhelming. The government, though, promising there's more to come. So what was really interesting, I think, out of that announcement is that it was scheduled to happen on Friday. And that was also the day that um, Pike was meant to reopen and go in. So you do have to question whether the government was really that keen to highlight this 
topic. Now, what ended up happening, of course, is that Pike got delayed, and so um, it perhaps was a little higher up the bulletin than it would have been normally. But you do have to look at the timing sometimes. Now, we don't know that for sure. Maybe it was a, a case of getting everyone together, but they weren't keen to say, this is huge, this is giant, um, which I guess is why, as reporters, we always think, hmm, we're very interested in having a look at this. Seems like there's a little, little <laughs> bit of carnage and chaos going around here, but we'll just carry on. Um, but in terms of the what they picked up, so they prepared this big welfare report um, with experts um, in their field, and then they came up with recommendations, so 42 wide-ranging recommendations. The government picked up three, so not many. Now, they put money into it, so it was pre-budget announcements, but it's hardly this huge, big reform of our welfare system that they needed. And what I thought was really interesting is that they were saying in it that in terms of the... um, how much the welfare should go or the benefits should go up, that it should be 47% urgently. Now, that's unrealistic for a government, but it just shows how urgently money needed to be put in, and you would expect that from a Labour government. How disappointing. I mean, I have to agree with um, uh, the perception um, around um, uh, that perhaps the government didn't want this story um, to be sort of um, uh, too high on the profile, too high on the radar, because, you know, that three out of 40-odd recommendations is woeful. And we heard the criticism come from the likes of, you know, Dr Ganesh Nana and even um, former Green... Co- and I think this is a bit of a theme this week for the former Green Party yeah, co-leaders because you had, you know, we just mentioned Russell Norman's criticism, but Metedia today also, I heard an interview that she did um, earlier this week and she was critical um, of uh, the welfare reform changes that were announced Um, and so you know uh, that's not a good look for the government and um, they pride themselves on being you know transformational etc etc and yet picking up three out of 40 odd recommendations doesn't suggest that. The other thing is um, obviously the Prime Minister's being asked in the House recently um, about um, benefit sanctions and you know when they were in opposition Carmel Cipollone was quite keen to see these sanctions um, go uh, and now that you know she's the Minister they haven't gone and the Prime Minister's answer um, when questioned on it is that basically um, they're just ensuring that um, they're being used appropriately um, and so I just asked her, you know, well, how, how can you measure whether these sanctions are being used appropriately? And she rattled off, you know, sort of lines about, well, you have to give good, good notice about, you know, people get sanctioned for not showing up to meetings. We just need to make sure we give them good notice, et cetera, et cetera. But it does sort of go against the narrative that they were building and that they pushed quite strongly when they were in opposition. Um, and so interesting to note now the growing criticism in terms of their response to those welfare reform changes. Yeah, well, from obviously very serious political chat to segue to perhaps slightly less serious Yay. political chat. <laughs> and because Benedict is not here, we are allowed to talk about it in the office without fear of criticism and eye-rolling. Um, the Prime Minister, it was revealed on Friday that she was engaged um, and she she didn't want to speak about it over the weekend. Um, So Friday was the first opportunity that um, one poor press gallery sucker had to ask her about (laughs) it. Um, That was me. So um, have a listen to that. 
On a slightly different note, Prime Minister, what are your plans for your upcoming wedding? Any will other we questions? See election <laughs> year? It pains me too, but will no. we see a wedding in election year? Um, do you know, I have absolutely no idea. Um, I, was, um, I, was, I was surprised by the question and um, look, as with probably many other couples, that means we haven't made um, many plans, uh, in fact, any plans at all. Um, so you may have many questions. I'm unlikely to be able to answer just about every single one of them. For the public who are hungry for um, answers... Are they really? <laughs> trust they? me, trust me. Um, can you tell us any more about the proposal? Um... Uh, look, uh, there are some things that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind keeping keeping for us. Um, you know, this is a, a very public job, and, and I'm quite happy to, to put quite a quite a bit of ourselves out there. Um, but there's some things I just wouldn't mind keeping to ourselves. Um, what I will give you is, is where it happened. It was um, in um, we were in Mahia, and we were sitting up uh, the top of uh, Moko Tahi Hill. Um, which is a beautiful little outlook in, in Mahia. Um, it was Clark, myself, um, a member of the DPS, so um, very intimate. <laughs> um, uh, a couple of locals from Mahia and um, a, a dog, which then tried to eat the chocolate that Clark bought me at the same time. So it was very romantic. <laughs> Now, although um, we take ourselves very seriously, of course, um, I think we are all allowed to get excited about an upcoming wedding and marriage every now and then. And you've got you to feel sorry for Simon Bridges, eh? Just when you think that <laughs> things are going well and you're getting some good runs on the board, the Prime Minister goes and gets engaged. And But in, on a serious note, in a, a wedding in an election year could could make a difference and I do think that that the timing of that um, will be really interesting if she decides to get married in in the summer of election year I think that would make a difference to it's it's a it's several weeks of of coverage that's fluffy and light and positive and I do think that that you know as political journalists I do think that we need to ask about that kind of stuff yeah, I, I, I think that the country would just go nuts if yeah. she did get married in the summer. Yeah. And, you know, as much as it'll pain some people to hear that, and, and I, 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 mean, I get that, um, but I, I thought it was quite exciting um, to hear about the Prime Minister's engagement. I thought it was very cute up there on top of the hill <laughs> and the story about the dog, and I'm not ashamed <laughs> to say it, and I, I thought it was very lovely, and I think everybody's been waiting for it, um, and before I lose any more of my political credibility, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go. That's all we got. That's what we've got. So it's been great to have you with us um, on this One News Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's now available around this time every week on One News Now, the One News Facebook page. And check us out on your favourite podcasting app now, including Stitcher. So good work, Adam, on making that change. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah.